Okay, so dinner's cancelled. Today, we're looking at the Hague Convention. Um, and just going through it, I mean, I think with respect to the document I'm submitting, and, like, let's be clear, it is a document that is submitted on the anniversary of the 2012 Force Adoptions Inquiry. Um, and in the aftermath of the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Assault. After the initial um, inquiry was when Australia first initiated a Forced Servitude Act as a national conversation. So as far as the development of anti-slavery um, policy mechanisms, both at a federal and state level, there's been like a, a grave inconsistencies with the law. So the law will speculate under sections in the Crimes Act 1900, um, hostage, the language of hostage and uh, fraud and corruption. And so that's not really been addressed as in terms of context of, um, you know, developing anti-slavery policy in the country. Uh, and are these matters of national security? Well, one would consider given that there's been this kind of broad uh, appropriation of all policy into the national interest, particularly with respect to post, excuse me, post 9-11. So it's interesting in that uh, through terms of national security, uh, the protection of civilians, acts of war, uh, and with respect to the Geneva Convention, all of which have been signed by Australia, like it's, who the fuck is doing this? You know what I mean? Like they're paying people to fuck this up like this, really? Anyway. So again, I think one of the interesting things about the developments that come to or come into play with my submission is it's the first time, you know, the language, international language of slavery has been uh, incorporated. And that's quite obviously because there is a clear uh, international history of slavery and it pertains to my very personal and my family's very personal um, experience. But it's been largely evaded. So we've not had, uh, you know, the international language pertaining to the transatlantic slave trade uh, incorporated in Australia in any real context. Again, there is that kind of, you know, Um, one truth having more uh, relativity than another truth, although it's it's broadly acknowledged in Australia, 
and Australia has since um, the early 1900s or late 1800s. Late 1800s? Sorry. The 1800s period. Um, adopted or being forced in some way or other to adopt or acknowledge um, British conventions. Again, Australia is not a republic. You know, this is just so much fun. Just observing the uh, inconsistencies. Uh, and so these are all kind of inconsistencies that have a level of, of prominence in any consideration, you know, I give to the current submission that I'm writing. Hate Convention in Australian law largely relates to um, abduction of children. as a foreign interest. So it, it has um, a list of countries that it uh, corresponds with and has uh, a f some kind of official mechanistic um, process relating to parents who abduct or people who abduct children and take them internationally. But more broadly, right, so this was ratified, the Hague Convention on Child Support was ratified in 2007 in the United States. It's probably worth noting. It's probably considered the most um, consistent international framework. But the Hague Convention also addresses um, Uh, private law and the World Organization for Cross-Border Cooperation in Civil and Commercial Matters.
it governs uh, cultural property or protection of cultural property. in the event of armed conflict. Excuse me. So the convention signed in 1954 provides a definition of cultural property. And so it covers a movable or immovable property of great importance to the cultural heritage of every people, such as monuments of architecture, art or history, whether religious or secular, archaeological sites, groups of buildings, which as a whole are historical or of artistic interest, works of art, manuscripts, books and other objects of artistic, historical and archaeological interest, as well as scientific collections and important collections of books or archives or of reproductions of profit property defined above and be buildings whose main effective purpose is to preserve or exhibit the movable property defined in sub paragraph such as museums large libraries depositories or archives uh, and refuges intended to shelter in the event of armed conflict, the movable cultural property defined in subparagraph A. C, sentence containing to uh, a large amount of cultural property as defined in subparagraphs A and B to be known as centers containing monuments. So that's with respect to property law. It also offers the granting of special protection. And where that um, property has been uh, held by uh, what they call quote unquote armed custodians. It also governs of police forces normally responsible for the maintenance of public order. In that it says they shall not be deemed to be used for military purposes. So that's, I mean, it's just interesting, isn't it? And so this is published on the um, International Committee of the Red Cross website.
with respect to the assistance of UNESCO. Article 23.1 states the high contracting parties may call upon the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization for technical assistance in organizing the protection of their cultural property or in connection with any problem arising out of the application of the present convention or the regulations for its execution. within the limits of its program and its resources. and the requirement for experts and inspectors. There is some information about immunity from seizure, capture and prize. Under Article 14.1, immunity from seizure, placing a prize or capture shall be granted to a cultural property enjoying the protection provided from Article 12 or that provided for in Article 13. So, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I kind of feel like I need to have some awareness of the various articles of the convention to be able to incorporate the language that governs it. And of course, uh, under the Geneva Convention, those who are considered freedom fighters or those who are subjugated through uh, the practice of colonialism, including colonialism by proxy. Note for the sellouts. Um, you know, have have particular responsibilities under the Hague Convention. So yeah, that's what I'm doing today. Instead of enjoying and cooking a lavish meal, um, we'll put that off and. I'm just going to go through some of these documents. I'll probably update consistently as information, you know, comes forward, as I learn new things. The other thing I do want to comment on is, you know, the mass outsourcing to private entities, and particularly Relationships Australia, which holds a monopoly on all trauma-based um, responses 
as a private uh, corporation in response to those uh, under forced adoption or those who have experienced forced adoption. So that's quite bizarre in itself. And I'm not sure if there's been any, I mean, there's probably a number of, of um, academic articles published on the matter. But there seems to be a clear, you know, this, this kind of private outsourcing to one company uh, seems to be a clear breach of, uh, you know, necessary diversity, both in, uh, you know, providing to uh, publics a variety of services. But also, um, with respect to, th that's quite a grip, you know what I mean? Just under governance, that is quite a grip that they have across the lives, across the states, on those who have experienced um, victimization by the states. And again, the state funds them, so the limitations of their powers, obviously, will be largely to... Uh, minimise conflict with the government in these matters. So it's also worth noting um, the Chilean model of reparations with respect to uh, the uh, forced abduction of children. So we're not talking about, um, we are talking about armed conflict, but we're not talking about um, uh, doing so uh, like internationally. This is within, you know, the nation state. So I think that there's probably some things that can be uh, reconsidered with respect to that as well. So, I mean, I'm interested in definitions of abduction because I note in article seven, it says that central authorities shall cooperate with each other and promote cooperation amongst the competent authorities in their respective states to secure the prompt return of children and to achieve other objects of this convention. In particular, either directly or through an intermediary, an intermediary, sorry, they shall take the appropriate measures. D, to exchange where desirable information relating to the social background of the child.
and F, to initiate or facilitate the institution of judicial or administrative proceedings with a view to obtaining the return of the child in the proper case to make arrangements for organising or securing the effective exercise of rights of access. So when we think about the Hague, Hague Convention, you know, we can also kind of see that, I mean, since 1956, so this is signed after the um, Anti-Slavery Convention of 1926, Where does reparation sit in this dialogue? So there's a comment about um, no bond or payment will be required by the central authority to, you know, initiate um, the objectives of the convention that all signing parties or states are obliged to take the initiative. See, this is where knowing about, you know, Janie Moray's parents, it's really critical. How can we measure? How are we to measure the, um, the lineage of the assault accurately without that knowledge.
we know that it was signed and ratified in 1980 by states of the European Union. Yeah, I guess I just, I'll have to think on that for a while. I'm drawing a blank. What is interesting is that there is an informational note on children deprived of their family environment due to armed conflict in Ukraine. And it says cross-border protection and inter-country adoption in an international armed conflict. And so it quotes the convention of the 29th of May, 1993 on protection of children, cooperation, respect to inter-country adoption. Like, I know this kind of seems like way the fuck out, but I do consider myself, um, I mean, a lot of what I'm talking about speaks to uh, dual citizenship, the right to dual citizenship. a heritage right to dual citizenship. So I'm going to have to go and have a look at the um, International Convention on the Rights of Children. But they seem to be largely conflicting. And at one point there is, uh, you know, kind of a need for the adoption of, of children internationally due to armed conflict. And then the other speaks to um, how that affects the children in terms of family environment and then of course there's the international convention on civil and political rights
And so the international rights of the child uh, relates to people under the age of 18. And you know, the first, the second article, part one says, state parties shall respect and ensure the rights set in the, con in the present convention to each child within their jurisdiction without discrimination of any kind, irrespective of the child's or his or her parents or legal guardian's race, color, sex, language, religion, political, or other opinion, national, ethnic, or social origin, property, disability, birth or other status. And so what year was this signed? Entry into force is the 2nd of September 2. Article 2.2, state parties shall take all appropriate measures to ensure that the child is protected against all forms of discrimination or punishment on the basis of the status, activities, expressed opinions or beliefs of the child's parents, legal guardians or family members. So, I mean, red flags, Nyuramirai, University of Sydney, colorism. So, I mean, just side note for that's probably and necessarily something that I'll write in my uh, report to the Office of the High Commissioner. About the overall kind of picture, but I'm, I'm just interested in the way this corresponds at the moment. Like what in what in what capacity does retrospect is retrospect applied? Article thirteen protects freedom of expression of a child. as well as the freedom to manifest one's religion. No child should be subjected to the arbitrary or unlawful interference with his privacy, his or her privacy. 
family home or correspondence, nor to unlawful attacks on his or her honour and reputation. The child has the right to protection of the law against interference or attacks, against such interference or attacks, to things that breach their privacy, their family home, or correspondence. Article 17, state parties recognise the important function performed by the mass media. And shall ensure that the child has access to information and material from a diversity of national and international sources, especially those aimed at the promotion of his or her social, spiritual and moral well-being and physical and mental health. To this end, state parties shall encourage the mass media to disseminate information and material or social and cultural benefit to the child and in accordance with the spirit of Article 29. Encourage international cooperation in the production, exchange and dissemination of such information and material from a diversity of cultural, national and international sources. Wow, so now I'm just thinking about fucking, you know how there was like, with respect to justice, um, Supreme Court Justice um, Brown Jackson, this kind of, you know, Ted Cruz hemorrhaging about the Adaptation of Ibram, Ibram uh, X. Kendi's works. Oh my God.
1990, I was still under the age of 18. I didn't know how old Coco was. But there was certainly no access to our African-American heritage. Or consideration for it. Article 24, state parties shall pursue full implementation of this rights as it relates to the highest standard of health to facilitate the treatment of illness and rehabilitation of health and that no child be so deprived. with a focus on D, to ensure appropriate prenatal and postnatal health care for mothers, as inclusive of recognition of the rights of the child. This is triggering as fuck, because I'm just like, just even in my own experiences, you know, let alone Article 32, state parties recognize the right of the child to be protected from economic exploitation and from performing any work that is likely to be hazardous or to interfere with the child's education or to be harmful to the child's health or physical, mental, spiritual, moral or social development. Article 32.2, state parties shall take legislative, administrative, social and educational measures to ensure the implementation of this present article. To this end, and having regard to the relevant provisions of other international instruments, state parties shall in particular. Article 33. take all appropriate measures, including legislative, administrative, social and educational measures.
with respect to the illicit production and trafficking of substances such as narcotics. Okay, now I'm just babbling on and reading it out. Um, I'll tap back in when I find something that I think is of particular importance, but like, wow, red flags, red flags, red motherfucking flags across almost everything I've read.